0: When the pressures of everyday life push the buttons of our inescapable human frailties, it's time to press pause, to be still, to breathe, and to look objectively at what is happening to ourselves and those about us. iHub Radio presents In This Moment with Toby C. Helping people to recover from emotional, physical, and spiritual pain. Now, here's Toby C. Hey there. It's me.
1: It's your friend Toby. Welcome back. If you've joined this show before and if this is your first time joining this show, welcome. Welcome to In This Moment and I am your host Toby C. And the reason why I don't give you my last name is I participate in a message and I participate in a recovery program that uh, advocates anonymity. And I'm going to try to Keep my message as neutral and as anonymous as possible, but uh, our show is about a message. Our show is a show about recovery. Our show is about trying to find some peace and to try to live what little life we have. Let you know we have left. You know we just don't know how much time we have left to live it. So let's try to focus on making the most out of the time that we have left. And the best way to make the most out of the time that we have left on this earth is to try to get over our past and to stop worrying about the future and to stay in the present moment. And that's why our show is called In This Moment. And this is a show, I'm gonna talk to you today as if it's just you and me, we're alone in a room. Uh, I do work in recovery. I am a member of a couple of 12-step programs and i'm used to doing work with other men and women mostly men and uh, i'm going to try to tailor our program today as if i was alone with you in a room and we're just talking about recovery and our program is very much about recovery recovery from what well i'm going to tell you we are going to be using a couple of publications uh throughout our show as a we're going to be using the big book of alcoholics anonymous and we're going to be using the sister publication, the 12 steps and 12 traditions, but we're going to be using these two publications as a universal and timeless point of reference. Our program is not tailored necessarily to the recovering alcoholic, and our program is not necessarily tailored to alcoholism per se. Our program is tailored to anybody who wants to try to obtain an open mind in order to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. How about that? That's for everybody. Anybody who's willing to try to open their mind and calm down and recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You know, maybe that's you. Maybe it's someone that you love. Maybe maybe it's somebody that you really are concerned about and you see them struggling. Um, Our program, we don't have, we're not going to have any call-ins or any guest appearances on this show uh, during this hour. Uh, We have a lot of material to cover, um, and we're going to be getting right down to our subject of recovery. Our subject today is overcoming deception, and it's going to be involving uh, the analysis of overcoming the uh, practice of of deception and why many of us practice deception in many of its subtle forms, destructive and subtle forms. And also overcoming deception that others may practice that uh, we find and discover ultimately have harmed us. Sometimes that deception is in the form of a message. Sometimes the deception is in the form of an act or lack thereof. So our program for the We're going to be talking about calm and unity. These are a couple of the basic ingredients of recovery, calm and unity. And we are going to be talking about the subject of overcoming deception. Uh, We're going to be talking about the problems with deception and some of the problems in overcoming deception. And of course, we're going to be talking about the solution and the answer to deception and the answer and the solution to overcoming deception and if we have time which we always do we're going to we're going to have an exercise called the imagination exercise where where we're going to try to point our imagination toward the right objectives to try to point our imagination toward the right objectives so let's talk about recovery for a minute recovery from the 12 step method that i've been practicing for the past 10 years is the 12-step method of recovery is not a psychological program. It's not a self-help program. It is, it's a program where people experience something called a psychic change, not a psychological change, psychic, as in, you know, the, the, the psychic, the person that reads the crystal ball, you know, the spiritual, um, practices or the practitioners, this is going to be a psychic change. We often find in recovery, many of us who struggle and we find ourselves in the endless revolving door of recovery that, that perhaps we're suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. That's a quote out of the big book, page 44. I think it's in Bill's story or the doctor's opinion. So you or your loved one, did you ever think about that? Maybe suffering from a condition which only a spiritual experience will conquer. That means you can continue going to rehabs and and throwing money at this disease, this mental and spiritual and for many of us a physical illness. Or we can we can try to calm down and tap in to the real, the real spiritual healing that's available for many of us in the 12 step program of recovery. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, is actually not in the first 164 pages of the big book. It's actually buried in one of the stories in the back of the big book on page 417. And it's a real simple quote. It's, it says when I stopped living in the problem, and began living in the answer, the problem went away. When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. That's why we're going to be talking about the problem of deception today. And we're going to move right into the answer. We're going to move into the solution. And so much of the solution, my friend, as in overcoming everything is about calming the spiritual condition. And there it is. It's about calming our spirit. And so much of calming our spirit, you know, the best way to calm ourselves down is to try to calm somebody else down. But we're talking about calming the spirit down in the 12-step method of recovery. You know, there are 12 steps in the 12-step program, but there are three parts to the program. And the first part is to trust God. And to trust God, we must calm down, take a deep breath. The second part of recovery is to clean house. After we trust God and calm down, gotta clean house. And for many of us, it's a a very terrifying prospect to to go back and take an accurate and objective uh, self-survey. Sometimes for many of us, the first times in our lives. But uh, one of my favorite slogans in recovery is, we uncover all of our defects hopefully for the last time and take a close look at them and then we discover the exact nature of our wrongs the things that keep us from being at peace with other people and being at peace with ourselves and then finally after we've made these discoveries we've achieved this incredible calm that comes to all of us once we trust god and clean house All the answers to why are answered if you seek them in cleaning your house, the house of your spirit, the house of your soul. And if you wanna stay calm, if you wanna stay out of no man's land, then you gotta help others. And that's the three parts of the 12-step method of recovery. Trust God, clean house, help others. And one last little nugget I want to impart to you before we get into today's subject is so much of recovery and so much of calming down employs the imagination. The imagination is about calming the human spirit down. And really the trouble with so many of our addictions and our obsessive compulsive personalities is that we've all along, many of us discovered that we've been pointing our imagination toward the wrong objectives. In the 12 steps and 12 traditions on page 100 it says perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps the real trouble was our almost total inability to point our imagination toward the right objectives. And there it is. The real trouble was our almost total inability to point our imagination toward the right objectives. And my friend, I'm here to tell you when you point your imagination toward the right objectives and we discover those when we calm down and we clean house, the right objectives are things called calm, godly, righteous behavior. Those are the right objectives. And when we concentrate on calm, righteous, healthy, balanced behavior, that's where, that's where we find the magic of recovery. That's where the hope is restored to, to many of the hopelessness. I told you we're, we're many of us are recovering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and we overcome it when we tap into the calm that awaits us all in the 12 step program. When we return, we're going to be talking about deception and overcoming deception. I'm Toby C, and this is our program, In This Moment, only here on iHub Radio.
0: In This Moment with Toby C, continues now on iHub Radio.
1: Okay, overcoming deception, wow. Have you experienced deception? Have you practiced deception? There's a lot of problems with deception let me let me describe some of the problems with deception and then maybe we'll go into the uh those two publications of timeless and universal wisdom and we'll try to pick out a couple of nuggets uh of reference you know overcoming deception well, first of all deception's an illusion isn't it so f- so for many of us um Right off the bat, it's very difficult to practice acceptance when we're mired in an illusion. Does that make sense? It's hard to practice. It's easy to practice deception when we're mired in an illusion. And it's hard to practice acceptance because of this illusion. This illusion very much is denial. A lot of us don't really realize that we practice deception. By the way, I'm going to suggest that deception is a survival skill. It's a survival skill that we're all born with. The skill to transform ourselves into something that we're not. Or maybe to try to be invisible so people don't see our frailties and our vulnerabilities. See, the two most basic human instinctual needs is the instinctual need to be loved and the instinctual need to feel secure. And as we grow and mature and we outgrow the entitlement of love and security, we start to, in our various and sundry and uh, and harmful ways, we practice deception in order to mandate love, and security from those about us. So there it is. There's the problem. You know, it is. It's a big show. It's a big... uh, And by the way, it's an attitude as well. Deception is an attitude. It's an attitude of, uh, of, of... of... of being something that we're not. It's a form of perhaps controlling or submitting in order to manipulate a situation. So it's our attitude as well. And quite often in the, in the realm of this denial and this attitude of deception, we create great harm. You know, we harm ourselves and we especially harm others. We deprive others of their, of their material and their property. We deprive people of their, their emotional well-being. We deprive so many of so much through practicing deception, yet we're not even aware of it. Some of us do become aware of it. I know that when I finally became aware of my deception and I couldn't handle it any longer, I experienced something called shame. And shame for, for Toby is a great reason to go out and drink and use and get loaded and act out. Don't forget drinking and using and gambling and sex and compulsive shopping and overeating and all of that stuff. It's a form of acting out for some of us because we just can't put the show of deception on any longer. That certainly makes sense. Deception is about discouraging others. It's about, it's about telling people they, they need not do this because you can do it better, or your experience is that they'll never be able to do it. And most importantly, deception. Deception is a fear. There is a fear behind deception, and don't you, don't you think otherwise? Let me give you an idea of some of the forms of fear because we were still bothered by fear, self pity and hurt feelings. It was probable we couldn't appraise ourselves fairly at all. I'm going to read that again because we were still bothered by fear, self pity and hurt feelings. It was probable we couldn't appraise ourselves fairly at all. What they're talking about, in that quote from the 12 steps and 12 traditions on page 59, on step five, what they're talking about, the biggest deception that we practice is with ourselves and, and the litmus test, the litmus test of deception of ourselves is when we finally go in there and we calm down and we try to trust the process Remember, trust God and we go in there and we clean house and we do a four step inventory and we try for many of us for the first times to make an accurate self survey. And I'm telling you, my friends, the reason why, uh, it suggested that you, uh, find a spiritual advisor or a sponsor or a trusted friend before you clean house. And especially before you do the four step inventories is it's important to have another objective soul involved because we cannot accurately survey ourselves because fear and self pity and hurt feelings are in the way of us being truthful and honest to ourselves. Remember that the chief activator of our defects and that includes deception has been self-centered fear primarily fear that we would lose something we already possessed or we would fail to get something we demanded. It's a fear, and the fear promotes deception of ourselves and others. Here's another nugget out of the big book, How It Works. We read this quite often. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Well, I have a feeling that we step on the toes of our fellows. One form of stepping on the toes of our fellows is by practicing deception. Even though our motives were good, we often found that we we placed ourselves in a position to be hurt by others. We set ourselves up by practicing deception. And I'm telling you, fear... Fear is probably the biggest propellant of deception. Just ahead, we're going to be talking about the solution to overcoming deception or the propensity to practice deception. Remember, when I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. The problem doesn't become minimized or arrested. The problem goes away. See, it's all about the solution. Find out what the solutions are in overcoming deception. Stick around. It's Toby C in this moment. It's your shows. It's my show. Stand by.
0: This moment, helping to open hearts and minds that allow for the mysterious, powerful, enduring, and proven alternative to destructive behavior. Here is your guide, Toby C.
1: Well, we're talking about overcoming deception. We're talking about overcoming deception. Maybe you practice deception. Maybe you're a victim of other people practicing deception. Well, I'm going to go ahead and talk about some solutions to overcoming deception, regardless of where it's coming from, regardless of why you or other people are practicing it. And probably the one of the tools I'd like to open. Up to you. I already let it out. Is open-mindedness. Open-mindedness. Is really. One of the best ways. To combating fear. And fear is the narrow mind. And the narrow mind tells us. Or others. That I must spin this story. I must spin this image. I must make this person believe this particular act. If we're calm and our mind is open, there's not going to be this urge to put on this, this production. What's the purpose for putting on the production? Let me tell you, one of the beautiful tools about cleaning house in the 12-step program is we move from narrow-mindedness into open-mindedness. And the way we move from narrow-mindedness into open-mindedness is by calming down and trusting God and trusting the process and in cleaning house in the fourth step inventories of the 12 step method is we make a profound discovery. Many of us including yours truly make a very profound discovery in the fourth step resentment inventory, especially in the fourth column. And the discovery is that most, if not everybody in the world around us is to some degree or another Not well, they're sick, they're not well. The open mind and the imagination allows us to consider that everybody that we come into contact with may be suffering from some secret, hidden, invisible malady. Now, let me give you an example. If you have a friend, a loved one who's in the hospital right now and they're on life support, they've got cancer or some terminal illness and they got six months to live. Are you going to go to the hospital and put on some big, uh, act, Are you going to go to the hospital and lie to this person? Most likely not, unless it's for the sake of, of keeping them calm during their final, their final period. Now the bottom line is we, we learned that if so many people in the world around us are not well, one of the big revelations in recovery is that we have the propensity and the ability to mistreat people who are not well. So how, but if we consider that everybody that we encounter is to some degree or another suffering and use our imagination and our open mind to try to give them a break. And if you can't tell them the truth, I don't know what to tell you. Don't practice avoidance. Don't lie to them. By the way, and I have to tell you, one little nugget I discovered in, in recovery is when many of us, uh, when the fog is lifted and we come to our senses in recovery, many of us move into Brutal uh, truthfulness and honesty. And brutal truthfulness and honesty can be just as harmful as deception. It's an extreme behavior. To be tr- brutally truthful and honest to somebody who is not well is nothing short of cruelty. And if you want to practice cruelty in the midst of trying to get better, you might experience something called shame and shame will make the peace and the calm and the serenity of sobriety very elusive. It's called a dry drunk just because you stopped acting out with drugs and alcohol or gambling or food or anything, just because you stop acting out with that doesn't mean that we're better. We have to calm our spirit down and employ our imagination toward the right objectives and be open-minded to the fact and the possibility that the person who's mistreating us right now, or the person with whom we fear is not well. And this the beautiful part about imagining that the person in front of us who is trying to mistreat us or for whom we fear, it takes the power away from them. It takes their power away. It takes the power of others that they have over us away. And when this power, this fear is lifted, there's no reason to practice deception. We can be ourselves. We can look people in the eye. We can hold our head up. We can start to, to chip away at regaining our dignity and our self-respect. Many of us who practice deception or victims of other people's deception have have little, if any, self-esteem left. We have no dignity and no self-respect. When you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to lose. Well, I'll tell you, when you recover and calm down, you are going to have something. You are going to finally discover what your truth is. You're going to finally be able to be honest for the first time in your life. By the way, the, the opposite of deception for many people is honesty. And another term for honesty is to calm down, to just calm your spirit down, to not have a reason to BS people, to not have a reason to practice deception, to not have a reason to put on this big act, this major production. You phony. You don't need to do that anymore. Why? Because you're calm and you got calm and you will get calm once you put your hand in the hand of the man and you trust God and clean house. And I'm here to tell you the third part if you want to stay calm, and if you want to stay away from practicing deception, help others. The best way to overcome practicing deception is help another person overcome practicing deception, which is another way of saying if you want to stay calm, focus your attention on helping another person stay calm. How about that for a solution? And I'm here to tell you, the time of focusing our attention on another suffering soul to calm them down is minuscule you are going to get so much time back when you stop acting out when you stop drinking and using and sexing and eating and gambling and all this nonsense when you stop when you stop preparing for the act when you stop Acting, and when you stop recovering from the action, you're going to have so much time on your hands. And all you got to do is take a little fraction of all this time you've got and focus it on being helpful to another person. And don't forget, there's a big difference between helping somebody and being helpful, there is nothing more pure and helpful then focusing our time and attention on another suffering soul and trying to be helpful in them overcoming their defect. And if their defect is deception, you might be an expert on that particular subject. And lo and behold, if you're helpful to this suffering soul overcoming deception, just in the practice of these spiritual exercises called the 12 steps, you're going to continue calming down or you will continue to stay calm. And all the reasons, all the compelling arguments to put on this major production and practice deception will leave you. It will leave you fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. That's in the promises right after step nine. It's about fear of people and economic insecurity. Remember those two instinctual needs, love and security? So there's the deal. Isn't that easy? Honesty is calming down. Honesty, and it only happens in the state of calm. Honesty is about being able to discern right from wrong. Honesty, and it only happens in the state of calm, is the ability to act righteously or unrighteously instead of self righteously. Self righteous behavior is unrighteous behavior. Righteous behavior is we know what is good and we can only tap into what is good when we're calm. And it's a discipline. It's a discipline, staying calm and staying sane and staying balanced. It's about paying attention to people differently, too. When we practice deception or we allow others to practice deception on us, it's a form of paying attention to people. Remembering paying attention is also a form of using our imagination. And in recovery, when we calm down, we learn how to point our imagination toward the right objectives. And the right objective is to not harm another soul. I don't know if you know what God's will is for you, but I know what God's will is for me today. God's will for me is to get along and be peaceful with everybody that I come into contact with today. And in doing so, I might have a chance at getting along better with myself today. That's what I think God's will is. God's will is for me to get along with my fellow man and in doing so have a better peaceful relationship with myself. And it happens in the love triangle of recovery. When two people are studying spiritual principles, there's a third spirit in that room. It's called the love triangle of recovery of mind, body, and spirit. There's so much more. Oh my God. There's so much more. We're going to be doing the imagination exercises here shortly. So stick around, stay calm.
0: I'm Toby C in this moment. in a world of overstimulation, you've arrived in a safe and calming space. This is In This Moment with Toby C on iHub Radio.
1: Hey, I hope you've gotten something out of our program today, our show on overcoming deception. Overcoming deception. To thine own self be true, my goodness. And I got to tell you, one of the best ways to overcoming anything is to calm down, (laughs) is to calm down and take a look at what's in front of you. And only in the state of calm can we start to look at what's right with the situation in front of us instead of what's wrong with the situation in front of us. Only in a state of calm can we use our imagination to imagine that perhaps this person is a really troubled soul and try to go back into their history into their childhood and try to imagine all the unspeakable emotional trauma that this person may have been subjected to and when we do that we take away this person's power we no longer fear fear of people and of economic insecurity will will leave us it will disappear it's gone it's over it all happens in the imagination and I gotta tell you, I'm all about the imagination. My, my friends in my home group tease me because my message is always about calm and the imagination. And I'm here to tell you, I, my experience, I've been in recovery for quite some time. Um, I've listened to a lot of people. I'm gonna tell you, I've been in recovery for 25 years and I have nine years. It took me 25 to get nine but it's because I wouldn't calm down It's because I wouldn't trust God and, and put my hand on the hand of another man and, and clean house. And, um, and especially help others. So many people fall short of the third part of recovery and that's helping others. You know, our lives get better. The promises come true. Uh, all the good things come back into our lives. And guess what? We take her, we take our our eye off of another person. We take our eye off the kinship of common suffering that we've crawled out from under. And there it is. I want you to imagine for a minute that this could be the very last time that you or your loved one are going to be in recovery. I want you to imagine that right now you're ready to start working with another person. Maybe you haven't completed the 12 steps. Maybe you haven't thoroughly cleaned house. But I'm here to tell you in chapter seven, working with others in the big book, it says one of the first things that we want to do with our new prospect, somebody that we're working with, is we want to encourage them to start paying attention and interacting and talking with another person who is blinder than they are. You don't have to have any certificate or degree to carve out a little time and go pay attention to another person. That's all sponsorship is. It's simply paying attention to another person. We don't mentor people in the 12 step program. We're not spiritual guides We're not life coaches here in the 12 step program. As a matter of fact, there's a pamphlet and I encourage everybody to get this pamphlet called questions and answers on sponsorship. And on the first page in this pamphlet, it says that when you and your prospect meet, we meet as equals. We never talk down to anybody from a moral or spiritual hilltop. We meet one-on-one and we meet as equals No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we can see how our experience can benefit others. I'm telling you, you have something so valuable to share with somebody right now that could be so immensely and uniquely helpful. Your time is more valuable than any amount of money or any property and material blessings that you could bestow on another person. Your time is the most valuable asset that you have to invest. And by the way, your time and your experience is going to be, it's going to make the difference. It's going to be immensely helpful. Remember, there's a big difference between helping somebody and being helpful. I want you to imagine yourself calming down one day at a time, concentrating your love and attention on another suffering soul and being helpful, talking about spending two hours and cracking open the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous or the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, and you take turns reading a page, you pause, you underline stuff, and you talk about it. See, that's called practicing spiritual principles. Let me tell you what the 12 steps are. No, I'm not going to rattle steps 1 through 12. I'm going to tell you what the 12 steps are. The 12 steps as defined on page 15 in the 12 and 12 publications are as follows. The 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer. To become happily and usefully whole. And there it is. The 12 steps are a group of principles. So I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of another suffering soul, go find a nice quiet room, maybe in some radio studio or some library or somebody's conference room at their office, and sit down for a couple of hours and bury your nose in the big book or the 12 and 12 and share and read, you will be practicing spiritual principles. And it's these spiritual principles that are going to give you a peace and a serenity beyond any comprehension you could ever imagine. You know, it's about guarding your hearts and your minds and having this peace and this peace happens when we focus our attention on another person. So there you go. I just gave you the key to the, the mystery of the, of the revolving door of recovery, if you want to get out of this deal and never look back, trust God, clean house, and help another suffering soul. It's pretty simple, isn't it? 12-step program method of recovery is, um, oh man, is it simple. Keep it simple, stupid, but it's not easy. If you've spent a lifetime being a survivalist like me, Becoming a real unconditional giver, you know, takes practice, but don't be discouraged. You can do this and you will do this. This is going to be your last time in recovery. You're going to get this thing. You're going to learn how really to pay attention to other people and and use your imagination finally and point it in the right objectives. Point your imagination toward the right objectives. And someday you'll discover what the real definition of ideal is. Ideal is not what's ideal to us. Ideal is the perfection of God. Knowing that we'll never be perfect, but we move in that direction. Thank you for using your imagination. Thanks for hanging out with me and having a talk today on our show. This is our show. In this moment, I'm Toby C. Until next time, overcoming deception. It's been a good one. Thanks. God bless.